Hey Church, Pastor Kyle here. I am so excited because today we are starting our journey through a new book of the Bible. We're going to be going through the Gospel of Matthew. And I think the Gospel of Matthew is the perfect book to go through right now at this present time. I mean, it seems like everything in our world is so divided and everyone is at conflict with one another. But the book of Matthew is this book that that rallies us around one person and one kingdom. The whole book is about how Jesus is king. And as we walk through this book, starting now at at Advent season, looking at his birth, all the way through his life to his death and resurrection, we're going to see what it looks like to live as part of the kingdom of God. And this is going to be great because it's going to to be real practical. There's great teachings of Jesus that help us lean into uh, what it looks like to live with his kingdom principles and how we can lead, lead a life that's thriving. But it's also going to challenge us because our king calls us to a life that is dedicated to him. And there's a cost to that. And the book of Matthew is very real about that. It tells us that Jesus' kingdom is at at war. It's, It's clashing with the kingdom of the world. And so we are called to live at a cost to ourselves, but so that we can spend an eternity with our God starting now and continuing forever. And so we're going to look at this idea of King Jesus all over the next number of months. And today we're going to start by looking at his family line. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 1 verses 1 to 17 where we'll find the genealogy of Jesus. Now I think this was one of those passages in scripture that maybe many of us have seen but we often tend to kind of blow past it in our Bible reading. And that's because it's this list of names and I think for a lot of us, when we see a list of names where we struggle to pronounce a whole bunch of them, and then maybe we we don't even know who a bunch of these names are, we don't know their story, we think to ourselves, well, what importance is this? But as I hope you'll see by the end of our message this morning, this, this genealogy, this list of names is so much more than that. It tells us about who God is and how he has been at work through history, which points us to what it looks like to be a part of his kingdom and what that means for the future. And so I hope that you'll bear with me as we read this together to see how we can learn more about who God is. So if you've got a Bible, I'd encourage you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 1 to 17. So here's what it says. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, Perez was the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Amimnadab, Amimnadab the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, and Obed was the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother was, uh, has been Uriah's wife. Solomon, the father of Rehoboam, Rehoboam, the father of Abijah, Abijah, the father of Asa, Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat, the father of Jehoram, Jehoram, the father of Uzziah, Uzziah, the father of Jotham, Jotham, the father of Ahaz, Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah, Hezekiah, 
the father of Manasseh, Manasseh, the father of Amon, Amon, the father of Josiah, and Josiah, the father of Jeconiah, and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. Hang in there, church. We can keep going here. And after the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel, Shealtiel, the father of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel was the father of Abihud, Abihud was the father of Eliakim, Eliakim, the father of Azor, Azor, the father of Zadok, Zadok was the father of Akim, Akim was the father of Elihud, Elihud, the father of Eliezer, Eliezer was the father of Mathen, Mathen, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, who was the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Thus, there were 14 generations in all, from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. Now, I know as we go through that, that's a lot of names, and it's uh, not just a lot of names, but we wonder again who these people are, but this genealogy is actually so rich. There's so many layers, because not only is it name after name, but each one of these names means something and tells us something about how God has been at work. In fact, one writer says that this is the most masterful piece of writing ever written because of how much it says. Now, I know on our surface, we, we don't understand all of this because we just don't know who these people are. We aren't from the Jewish culture. And, and so some of these names are lost, but there is so much that we can uncover. And, and I think we can just uncover so much through the very first verse. In verse 1, we see this depiction that sets up the entire book of the, verse, of the book of Matthew. In verse 1, he writes this. It says, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, as we've been going through our last series, we talked about this word Christ being the chosen one or the anointed one of God who God would send to rescue his people and to bring him glory. And this word Messiah is just the Hebrew equivalent of the word Christ. And so right off the bat, Matthew says, this is the chosen one of God. And he is connected to David and to Abraham. Now, if we were a first century Jew, we would have immediately seen connections. We would have been waiting for, for generations for the chosen one of God to show up to establish his kingdom. And we would have seen this term Messiah with a direct connection to Abraham and to David. Now, Abraham and David are these huge figures in the Israelite culture and in Jewish tradition, but it's more than them just being great role models, but there were these promises that God gave to each one of them. And so what actually happens through this chapter is that we see that God is revealing, Matthew's revealing what God had done through all the generations to accomplish promises Right off the beginning, and we would see that God gave Abraham a promise. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 to 3, we read this. The Lord has said to Abram, that was Abraham's name before God changed it. He said this, he said, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, 
and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And so there's this promise that God gave to Abraham that through his family line, all of the earth would be blessed. And of course, we also see this promise in Scripture that there was going to be a chosen one. And that was the promise that God gave to David. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12 and 13, we read this promise. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you. Your own flesh and blood, I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So what we see here is Matthew's taking Jesus, and, and he's writing to all those who have witnessed the events of the first century and who have heard about who this guy Jesus is, and he's trying to tie it all together. And that's actually going to be one of the other central themes we see. In addition to Matthew pointing out how Jesus is king, we're going to see that he points out how Jesus fulfills the promises of God, how Jesus essentially is the one who delivers on everything. And, and so it's all being woven together here. And so what we see is after that, there's this colon and a list of all of these different names. And what we're supposed to get from that is here is the path that went from Abraham to David to Jesus. Here's the path for how God orchestrated what he wanted to accomplish through history. It's telling us all about how God fulfilled this, this promise of a Messiah King who would bless the whole earth and everyone in it. So the names we read here, they're not just the names of a family line, but they're all connected to show the establishment of God's kingdom all throughout history. And so this is where we begin to see the layers. We see, well, how does this all work? Well, one of the things that we see, for instance, here is that there is within this lineage different people groups. There's both Jews and Gentiles. So along the lines of, of God's blessing to Abraham, that there would be from his family, which started out as not being Jewish, but became Jewish, uh, the nation of Israel was birthed out of his family line, there would be this blessing that would, would stem from this place before Judaism through the Jewish people and then branch back out to all the nations. There would be this blessing for many different nations. And even in Jesus' uh, lineage, we see that there's many nations coming into play. We certainly have good Jewish people and people who the Jewish people would look back to and say, yeah, that, that person is this well-established Israelite and they are meaningful. We see, of course, that there's especially characters like King David and King Solomon. But beyond that, there's people of other nationalities. We have Rahab who is a Canaanite. We have Ruth, who was a Moabite. We have Bathsheba, who ends up marrying to become a Hittite. These people from different nations. And this is a huge deal. Now, we might not think of it as that big of a deal of people having someone from another nation marry into their family. But in the first century, while you're trying to establish the lineage of a king, to have someone not be from just one family line would have huge implications. And so we see that God 
doesn't allow himself to be boxed in that through everything in all of the things that God works through history he is inviting people of other nations to be a part of his family to be blessed by him in how they live about their life and so this is this is huge for us of seeing that Jesus is not just king of one people but he is king of everyone and from there we see that he's not just king of all nations but there's another stereotype that's broken down within this lineage that god is king of both men and women now we see that and we kind of go well yeah that seems a little bit weird but back in the first century this was a major thing and especially when it comes to a, a genealogy if you were to look at other genealogies found in scripture or if you were to go back to ancient documents found in the, in the middle east you would expect and certainly find that basically every genealogy would center on important male figures and it would trace the line of important people from the father of this person to the father of that person to the father of this person but here what ends up happening is in amongst these more than 40 names we find the names of five women and these five women are a variety it's sort of a cast of characters if you will they're of a, a, a whole bunch of women from different backgrounds who lived very different lives and and this shows us a lot about who god is and how he works and, and who he's king over now i, I want to spend time here because this is so extraordinary for an ancient document to list these women within it and so i think that causes us to need to pause and focus and unfortunately i can't go into the whole story of each of these women because we, we could easily do at least five sermons on each of those and we're just doing one sermon here today but what i'm going to do is i'm going to share with you some scripture references and maybe one or two key points about each of these women's stories and and then you can go back this week and sort of work through and see how god worked and so the first woman we have here is tamar and tamar is found in genesis chapter 38 verses 1 to 30 and she's this incredibly wise woman she she and what she has to do is because of a, a number of upsets in her life she has to devise this very daring plan uh, which allows her to take a hold of what she rightfully deserves now many of our our families many of you watching at home or watching this perhaps with young kids around and so i'm not going to go into all the details but the story is quite a racy story and and we see that this isn't something that she desired but it's something she steps into as a way of of engaging counterculturally to receive what she rightfully deserves and so her story becomes this very interesting story which leads us down the way towards the person of jesus the next the next person is very like her the next woman is rahab and we find her in joshua chapter 2. and she's a woman with not a great reputation she's grown up and she she's not a jewish person and she has again also a racy history but somewhere along the way rahab is she's encountered god and she's decided that he is the one that she needs to serve and follow and so in a moment where she has an opportunity to either serve god or to you know protect her life and what is her own she decides that she's gonna kind of stick her neck out and she's gonna risk it all to serve god and so here we see this woman who has an immoral past who comes and has a transformative encounter with god leads to be this woman of courageous faith and through her we see that one day jesus will come 
But then in contrast to these first two women, we have our third woman, who's Ruth. And you can read about her in the book of Ruth. And Ruth's another one of these women. She's not Jewish. She's from uh, Moab. And she's this incredible character who always strives to do what's best. I mean, she often puts her own needs on the back burner to serve those who are a part of her family. And we see that in the process of serving people, eventually she gets this position where she becomes the grandmother of King David. And so we have this woman of, of, of noble reputation, these other women who have sort of scandalous stories, And then through the family line, we have Ruth that goes to King David, and King David marries our fourth woman. And our fourth woman is Bathsheba. And we read all about her in 2 Samuel chapters 11 and 12. And again, one of these sort of tumultuous stories, one that you would think if you were kind of creating a genealogy to celebrate someone, you'd sort of leave this as one of the skeletons in the closet. But instead, Matthew includes this to show how God works through even circumstances that are full of sin. And and so we have this story of Bathsheba and David, and there's temptation and murder and all sorts of things that happen in those couple chapters in 2 Samuel. But through all of this, God is still faithful to the promises that he's given to Abraham and to David. And we see that eventually they have the son of King Solomon who establishes so much for the nation of Israel. And on down the line it goes, working towards Jesus. And the final woman we have in this account of Jesus' life is, of course, Mary. This young peasant girl who who God comes to and tells her that he wants her to carry his child. He wants her to give birth to Jesus. And she, as this young girl, had so much to be afraid of. And she had so much shame that she would experience from her community. But she knows that she has to serve God faithfully. And so she does. You see, the inclusion of these women reveals to us something that's radical about the kingdom of God. That it's like no other kingdom that had come before it. We read about this in Galatians chapter 3 verse 28. That there's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, neither is there male nor female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. In God's kingdom, everyone has a place. Everyone is important. And and despite of reputation or past, God brings us together to accomplish his purpose under the kingship of Jesus. And so each of these women tell a story about the kingdom of God. But just like these women had a variety of pasts, we see as we go through this passage that the family of Jesus is made up of both saints and sinners. We see just this huge contrast in the lives of those who make up Jesus' family. We have these great people. We have Ruth, who was this noble woman. We have Abraham, who was willing to sacrifice his son to follow after God. But then we have people on the other side who, you know, they were just despicable. We have the names of kings like like, uh, King Rehoboam and King Ahaz, who were these despicable, power-hungry, murderous kings. We have Judah, who, who was a man who sold his brother into slavery. And then we have, on, on one hand, these saints and sinners, and then we have people right in between. We have King David, 
I mean, King David's this extraordinary individual in history who, who loved God so much, but he sinned so, so gravely, and he hurt God so deeply. And, and so we have this great sin, but then we also have him bringing us some of the best pieces of Scripture that still move us, even today, centuries later. And so there's this interesting thing about the family of God, and while many of us probably want to hide the skeletons in our closet, we can think about family members and family history that maybe we don't ever want someone to know there's none of that laid out here it's all laid bare so that we can see how truly remarkable jesus is we see that god will work in spite of people with tumultuous pasts if they want to follow him we see that god will establish his kingdom even in spite of those people who stand against what he stands for we see that God works with broken people who just screw up time and time again because God will deliver on his promises. The genealogy of Jesus should encourage us for just that. You know, as I think about a lot of what we're wrestling through as people who follow Jesus right now, where we kind of look out at the world and, and we see the tension, we see the division, and, and, and we see that But on one hand, but on the other hand, we, we read about these promises in Scripture. We read about what God says he's going to accomplish. And, and, and sometimes, I think if we're honest, we sit there and we go, well, how do these two things work together? Where, where's God in the midst of all of this? But as I look at this genealogy, I see that there must have been so many times where people asked those very same questions through history. I mean, we have generations of people here, and, and there were probably times where under some of these wicked kings or where there was this exile from homelands and, and all these things, there must have been people going, God, where's your promise that you gave that you would bless the family of Abraham, where you would establish your kingdom that would rule over everything else? So where's that promise you gave to David? Where are you, chosen one of God? Well, the genealogy shows us that through it all, God was at work, and that should serve to us as a reminder even when we are in the midst of these difficult situations where, where things are complicated, where things are hard, where things seem to obscure the promises of God, we, we can be reminded that God is at work, that God establishes his kingdom, that God brings his presence through the most complicated of situations. This genealogy has a lot to do with bringing us hope. The other thing that we can be encouraged by by this is the fact that because Jesus came through this long line of complications, he can come into our complicated lives. You know, I think there's a lot of people who we, we hear about Jesus and, and we look at ourselves, our past, our family, the situations maybe we're in right now, and we, we think to ourselves, well, God can't get involved with this. God, God's going to stay on the outside of this. Well, you got to know that that's not true. It doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter what complication you're in right now. God can break through all of that. We see that in the, in the stories of these individuals on the page in Scripture. God gets involved in the most difficult of circumstances. In these messy situations, even when people brought about on themselves, we see that God comes in, he rescues people. That's the good news of Jesus. As we start at this genealogy and work through, we read about how, how Jesus came and lived the life that we should have lived. 
How he died on the cross to pay for the penalty that we should pay so that we can experience the life and love of God that we don't deserve. What God has done to rescue so many of the people in this genealogy, how he's worked in spite of those who have rebelled against him, should remind us that he is a good God. Him arriving on the scene, the fact that our king has been born, that he has come to earth, and that's what we're celebrating at Christmas, should remind us that God can be involved right where we're at. If you knew some of the stories that I've heard from even people within our own church, people who I know who follow Jesus, if you've heard about the sins they've committed, if you heard the stories of the messes that they were in with their, with their family or their finances and their, their business and their relationship with other people, you would think, well, how could God save someone like that? But what's incredible about their stories is that God has done it time and time again. And he doesn't just rescue them, but he comes to be what we will read about in future weeks here, that he comes to be God with us. And that's what we're celebrating in this season. And so today what I hope as we read through this genealogy is that you remember that through it all, God has delivered on his promise that the king has come, that he has come to bring us salvation, that he has come to redeem our hopeless situation, that he has come to meet us in the complicated mess of life, and that he will continue to establish his kingdom in the future, and there's no darkness, there's no situation, there's no mess in the world that will stop him from continuing to establish it. And so would we celebrate that? I encourage you, dive into this even deeper because we are going to have the best Christmas ever as we continue to look forward at the fact that our King has come. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you even for this list of names. And God, I I have to admit, I've been guilty as well in the past of skimming over genealogies in Scripture, of, of not considering what the message of every single word and in your book has been placed there for. But God, uh, would you just continue to reveal to me, would you continue to reveal to us as a church how every single word on these pages has been given by you for us to to know about you, to to come to to meet you. Lord, would it help us to, to see, Holy Spirit, would you speak to us what we need to know as we move forward towards bringing you glory? God, I thank you that you didn't decide to come and encounter us here on earth through the perfect family that you didn't decide to be the upper upper middle class kid who would just have the perfect life and 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 just skate on by but god that you would get involved in in the mess of humanity god i thank you that you did that to show us that our mess is never big enough to exclude you from being a part of our lives god i pray for all those who might hear these words in scripture and question if if their life is too complicated or too broken or if they've sinned too much and god would you speak to them now and and reveal to them what you have done in their lives god would they come to a place where they can just thank you jesus for what you have accomplished and would they experience your grace and your mercy would they experience peace over their life right now would they experience hope for their future and god as we reflect on this as we continue through this advent season over the next number of weeks looking forward to christmas god would we grow 
in celebration of who you are? Would we, would we live lives that no matter what goes on into our day-to-day, that we celebrate that our King has come, that you are alive in heaven, that you sit on your throne over it all, that you work and establish your kingdom through all things, no matter how difficult, no matter how complicated, no matter how messy, no matter how much we sin. And Lord God, would we see more of your kingdom come and be established on earth, even here in Abbotsford as it is in heaven. And we celebrate that we can trust in that being accomplished in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.